0: By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know that thrills me. Oh my gosh, it's Meryl Streep.
1: This is Karen from San Francisco. And this is Alex from
0: Los Angeles, and welcome to Movies That Shaped Us. We are two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but were both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In this bonus episode, we'll cover a filmmaker, actor, director, screenwriter, who's shaped our love of film. And this is a big one for you quran so yeah let's uh let's dive into meryl
1: oh my gosh yeah i should you know drink a glass of water before i get into this (laughs) yeah go for it (laughs) okay perfect (laughs) so yeah there there are few people at least in my life who i who have sort of transcended into that iconic status like people who i actually if i met them in real life I don't know what I would do. And <laughs> I think probably Meryl is the only one in that category. Everybody else, as much as I admire them and you know appreciate them, mm-hmm. I would be fine, I think. But this is a different ballgame. Oh. So why is that? I think, like, maybe let me start with how I even came to it first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, my relationship. So I think the first movie, which is such a, strange thing that I saw of her was with like actual intention and notice that oh who is this person is actually devil with Prada oh. uh, the quotes that we just rattled out and <laughs> yeah and then within quick succession I watched uh doubt I also watched Julie and Julia this is all in a span of like three years and you know stating the obvious but immediately the range of this person was on full display. That how do you go from, you know, a comedic, dramatic performance, which is Delvis Prada, to mm-hmm. Doubt, which is kind of dramatic and scary, to Julian Julia, which is light and heartfelt and romantic, uh, totally different people, some real, some not. And I just was like, how can one person inhabit all these people? And then, of course, that kind of then led me to go back and watch a lot of her movies and again, stating the obvious, but I think her skill and her versatility kind of became the brand right off the bat. Uh, and you know, you can measure this in sort of more quantifiable ways, such as accents or how she you know plays with her look and what have you, and all of that is definitely on display. But but the thing that always captured me was the the inside to out transformation, you know, like this was always a different person, not just mm-hmm. the way how they looked and they talked and they sounded and they moved, but, but how they, how they, how they exist existed in, in, in the world. But at the same time, time through all of that, it was still Meryl, you know, like even behind prosthetics and accents and makeup and what have you, you can still see her, 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 her intelligence, her wit, uh, her humor, her dedication, all of that is very much on display. Uh, and at the same time, there are many, many great actresses. You know, you look at El- Elizabeth uh, Huppert or, you know, any sort of foreign actresses, mm-hmm. you can th- you know, pick whoever you want who might be considered, quote unquote, a better actress because they're more real. Uh, I think... What's different about Meryl is that she's also very, very watchable in that movie star kind of way. You can't mm-hmm. take your eyes off her because there are many other people who might be brilliant actresses and they totally inhabit and make you believe that this is who they've become. Meryl does that, but is also very, very watchable and the camera loves her. I think that's what's different. And there are not that many movie stars in the history of movie stars who's brand is versatility, Mm -hmm. you know, and total transformation and they're quote unquote actors. They're only a handful of these people who are movie stars purely on the merit of the job, which is to transform, you know, and yet you see them do what they're doing and they're not just, you know, they're recognizable, but they're also unrecognizable. So I think that's what makes her so special to me and then you know as I you know we've talked in our previous episode on Tom about you know you know very little about their personal life and I'm sure we know very little about her personal life yeah, as well yeah that's but, a really good point yeah but what we do know is you know a marriage of over 40 years now four kids who all seem pretty sane They're in the arts world, but they're not big names. You know, they're not just Nepo babies. They're doing their own (laughs) thing in their own right. And the way Meryl shows up, the way she interviews, the way she talks, every award speech, that sense of grace and dignity and commitment, but also a lot of humor. I think that's the other thing as I started to watch more and more of her off-screen appearances which also is a performance you know and totally, she would be the right. first one to say that and in mm-hmm. fact she has said that that i'm sitting here in an interview chair this is probably not the real me but the fact that she can say that out loud i don't know makes has always made her very relatable and approachable uh and who doesn't admire somebody who just loves their craft and right are brilliant at it you know so but also have a sense of humor about it and that's sort of my relationship, admiration and awe of her. What about you?
0: Yeah, like uh, in terms of your statement about her being a movie star and an actor, I think is definitely how I have always viewed her. So so for me, it was interesting. So I knew of her as one of the best actors around when I was kind of coming into film in, in the 90s and as an early teenager. So I'd stumble upon stuff of hers like, you know, Kramer versus Kramer or Sophie's Choice that I'd watch just because these are movies I should watch mm-hmm. and she just happened to be in them. Deer Hunter is another one. Mm-hmm. But I never really tracked her performances in her career on its own until the the first, you know, newer movie that, that I saw with, that she was in was Adaptation. And mm-hmm. that was uh, a film that I remember seeing that in the theater like, oh yeah, no, this is, she really is still like decades at that point even into her career delivering on that what exactly you just talked about she's a movie star but she's actually just not just an actor but an actor too so like her craft is what makes her a movie star which is sort of the opposite of what a movie star is supposed to be right where it's just about their persona that you love and you see their persona in every movie but she disappears into these parts Mm -hmm. and that was the first time i remember really kind of like hitting me like oh yeah no she is not like the other movie stars or even actors out there. She's got both, which is the rare thing about uh, about Meryl. And still to this day, she's able to deliver um, top notch performances.
1: Yeah, and I guess to build on what you just said, that, like the longevity of this career, especially in an industry where as you get older, it's harder to find roles for women that are, right? You know, meaty and and are multi layered and what have you. And I think she in addition to all the other accolades that she's accumulated, the highest Mm -hmm. nominated person in the history of the Oscars (laughs) ever, she's also kind of forged this path for somebody older and in their later career. Mm -hmm. uh, And in a weird way, she became a bigger box office draw in her later career because she was not that person, you know. She didn't. Right. She entered movies pretty late. She came from the theater scene. She was not an ingenue. She never got those parts because she was older. Mm-hmm. And she didn't pursue them either. Mm-hmm. For her, being in the movies was to, you know, play with the looks and her accents and try different sorts of things. And so it's funny that come Mamma Mia and Devil West Prada and Julian and Julia and all these movies, she became a box office draw in her 60s and 70s which not only introduced her to a whole other generation of movie going fans but also the people who grew up with her or knew of her as this kind of great actor finally it sort of cemented that yeah Meryl can do anything (laughs) because the one thing that she had not conquered I think was that box office blockbuster Mm -hmm. thing which she also did and I'll repeat it again in her later career which is unheard of, you know, people are box office draws earlier in their lives, or maybe in their mid career, not in their later career, for sure. So it's, it's amazing how she, and of course, you know, there's a lot of luck in all sorts of factors right, that right. have led to this great career, but uh, it's pretty amazing how she's been able to navigate that
0: yeah totally unique and i wonder just as i'm you know scanning her filmography that it might have been devil wears prada perhaps that was that tipping point for her to realize oh she's crossed over to now being a box office draw and not just though i want to see the meryl movie because she's gonna put a great performance but i'm gonna see there's like a meryl streep quote-unquote movie because that was that movie was a huge hit she was a major part of that i mean fantastic film fantastic performance it really comes down to her and what she's able to do and then then you get the mama mia's and all the you know i, I don't like cash in on her right. stardom films not that i'm knocking the films but like that that phase of her career is odd to have that happen at the end usually you'd be a box office draw and then try to get your acting credo you know right. established later but she did the opposite and that's uh very unique and shows how Un- you yeah know, unique of a star she is a movie star and an actor she is that she's able to pull that off
1: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more i think the delvis prada is 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 special because of that because mm-hmm. the movie is very good it's very fun and if anybody else would have been in it it would have still been very entertaining but any normal movie going person they don't even have to be a cinephile can spot the difference that if yes. you remove meryl from this movie this movie is not what it is. And right. it's because it's packaged in a fun, entertaining, blockbustery way. But what's anchoring it is this rich, multi layered performance. Like she's. Doing all the things that she always does right. uh, in in a, in a movie, which is like totally disappear, transform, and you know live and breathe uh, the life of this person that she's portraying. So you get to see that, and that elevates the entire movie. And that's the other thing, right? Like a lot of great actors can be scenery chewing, and Meryl has done those parts too, where she is <laughs> right, the scenery right. chewing person in the movie. But I think. In this movie, it's sort of just a perfect match and balance of everything, where she is the senior-jewing person, but she's also letting the whole movie shine and elevate. Everybody looks good uh, mm-hmm. because of that. Exactly, um, right. And I guess that's the other thing which I've noticed about her as she talks about her craft and how other actors talk about her, because she brings such a sense of commitment and realism that I think she forces other people to bring their A-game as well, which is why everybody has chemistry with her on screen. Uh, I I always feel that it's so important because acting in so many ways is this reacting. I mean, they say like, like acting is reacting. It, right. it is sort of a two-way thing. So I if you don't have chemistry with the actress that you're with, I think none of it is believable. And right. I think because she forces other people to bring their A-game, the chemistry that she has with pretty much everybody that she's worked with in a romantic way or in a non-romantic way is always true and,
0: and deep haven't seen all of her films so this might not be the case but this is at least my perception that even when she's in a movie that might be like quote-unquote like built around her she still feels like part of the ensemble not in like a negative way but in a look she's just another actor she's not taking over the film or her star power doesn't push out the other performances she just makes them better so she's part of the cast she's not taking over the film that's just my yeah. perception. Again, I haven't seen all yeah. her films, so I might be wrong, but I think that is a skill that she does because she is that good of an actress and a movie star. And it's that balance, again, that is so unique about Meryl that a movie star would just take the movie over, right? Just a poster, Meryl's head, that's all, Meryl in this, whatever. Like She's never really gone down that path because she yeah. is an actress that uh, is part of an ensemble. Whoever she's working with, it doesn't matter, but she's organically working with those other actors and making them better. Just part of the tapestry of the film.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, which is why a lot of people would say that she's actually a character actor. Right. Know, trapped right. in the mm-hmm. body and a career and a mind of a movie star leading person. And if you look at these later year performances, they're quite character actory actually. From you know, Miranda Priestley to Julia Child to mm-hmm. Sister Aloysius. Oh gosh, I remember all the names
0: of the (laughs) Oh Oh, man.
1: (laughs) I just outed myself pretty Uh badly.
0: (laughs) I think you outed yourself many episodes ago. Don't worry about that. This is not the, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As opposed to, not to compare, but you know, I love Al Pacino. He'll probably do a similar episode on him, but he is the example of the person who will, I think, especially in his kind of mid to later career, the whole movie would be around him. Right. Right, him at the center of it with all the scenery chewing things mm-hmm. and everybody else is like a bit part
0: right exactly yeah which you know that's what movie stars do yeah and so that's fine that's what movie stars do and meryl is a movie star but she doesn't do that and that's what i think makes her uh very very unique in the history of hollywood so speaking of her filmography any yeah uh, yeah should we yeah, what, what is your... So we talked about the movie that sparked it for you. Maybe we'll go back and talk more about her the beginnings of her career. Like, what are the sort of the standout performances for you?
1: Yeah, so kind of how we did with Tom in our first episode in this series, uh, I think it's fun to look at her career in decades and phases as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 80s is when she... Or I would say late 70s to early 80s is when she shows up on the screen. And I mean... Nobody can have a more banging arrival oh, yeah. than movies like The Deer Hunter and Sophie's Choice, uh, Silkwood, like Kramer versus Kramer, like yeah. all these, Manhattan, all these movies, one after the other, kind of underline what we've been talking about from, from the beginning of this episode, which is this is a versatile super skilled, transformational actress, but at the same time, a movie star. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Yeah. You you, you look at this
0: beginning of her career, I'm like, designed to be missing earlier roles. Like, it's almost (laughs) like she comes right in. It's like, Deer Hunter, (laughs) Kramer's Kramer, Sophie's Choice. Like those are iconic performances and it's in her first like five, six films. Incredible. Yeah, there was no working actor phase in here. She just right on the scene, boom, you know, she, she does it.
1: It's crazy. And of course, back to back Oscars, and which is why she didn't doesn't win for, you know, a bajillion years after because people just gave her everything who wins (laughs) multiple Oscars, you know, in the first five years of just entering the movies. Mm -hmm. And not only are these movies, great performances and critical darlings, but they also huge hits. Kramer yeah. vs Kramer is the number one box office movie of its time. Yeah, yeah, uh, crazy, crazy. To think about. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think from this, like we already covered Sophie's Choice in one of our episodes uh, previously on on kind of acting. Mm-hmm. I think to me that is still probably one of the best recorded performances in movie history by anybody. Agree. So that and Kramer vs Kramer and. So quote cool as well, I have like a pretty soft spot for that movie would be my favorites from this kind of early era. What about you?
0: We talked about Sophie's Choice. I, for me personally, the film has aged very poorly, but yeah. her performance is what is, is not a- aged <laughs> yeah. at all. Like So to me, that is the quintessential early Meryl performance. Again, surprised to say this is early because it's just what what an incredible performance where she just totally disappears in the role. And Crane vs. Crane is another film that I just really think is a, just a fantastic movie that is her going up with Dustin. At that point, he'd had two decades of mm-hmm. uh, of, of uh, perf- on-screen performances. He was a huge star, but she can just go right there toe-to-toe and make him better in that, yeah. in that film. I think that is touching on something we talked about earlier where she elevates other people's performances. And it's crazy to say that she elevates Dustin, who is, I think, one of the better actors of all time. But yeah. she does. And their their chemistry in that movie is so critical, and uh, I think those are the two for me that stand out in the early parts of her career.
1: I couldn't agree more. All right, so the next phase is the '90s phase, and I should mention leading up to the '90s phase. You know, in the '80s, she has many, many more of those transformational performances. You know, Out of mm-hmm. Africa, uh, Cry in the Dark. They're all brilliant performances and movies that are you know, serious and... The dingo ate my baby. I know, in the dark. Exactly. That's the
0: main movie. makes you laugh every time. <laughs> we <pop>
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, it's sad. That's what that movie become now.
0: I know, it's a mean movie. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a mean
1: movie now. <laughs> uh But I think the 90s, Merrill is an interesting one where I think at some point people were like, lighten up, Meryl. Like, we are done with these serious, you know, actory, accenty accent-y parts where mm-hmm. you're playing some... Foreign women, you know, like we need you to have fun. And this is the time when she and her family they move to LA and she makes these, you know, quote unquote more Hollywood mainstream movies like right. Postcards from the Edge and Death Becomes Her and She Devil. She's trying some things, you know, River yeah. Wild and uh, and some of them work, some of them don't, especially at the time they were kind of pan. But I watched these movies much later in my life. And to me, these movies are super fun and amazing. Like I love Death Becomes Her and Mm -hmm. River Wild, like watching Meryl have fun and sort of, you know, trying to be the movie star. And I don't think it worked in the time, but I think it, in retrospect, it all adds to her movie star persona. And I'm very happy that we have these, you know, zany, fun movies from Meryl.
0: Yeah, yeah. This, I think, is a time, like you said, where she's trying to really stretch herself in in different performances. For me, the standout is probably uh, The River Wild, which I think, thinking back on it, was perhaps the actual first Mel Street movie I probably saw, because I saw this as a kid. And I didn't, you know... And I think maybe this actually speaks to her, what we were talking about, where I don't remember her performance overpowering the rest of the film. She was just part of this cast of a movie that was, you know, it's a fun little tight thriller. Kevin Bacon does a great job in it. She does a great job. But I wasn't thinking like... Oh, this is like a Meryl movie. I just watched this kid be like, "This is a really fun, you know, little thriller that uh, is, you know, a little bit of edgy or thing." I think she does a great job of not putting in that hammy, showy performance, which yeah. she very easily could have done. But because she's a an actor first and then a movie star, she did an actor performance in that film. And that I, I think that movie is still a fun again, like not a '90s little family thriller. Recommend totally. watching it if folks haven't seen that yet. That movie is really fun.
1: I totally agree. And once again, you know, Meryl doing all of her actory things where she like learned how to row the thing. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's all real. Like she does all of her stuff. And that's the other thing. Like just the way we talk about Tom, like putting, like he literally puts his life on edge. Mm -hmm. I think Meryl does that from like a character persona standpoint. Right. right. That whatever this person has to do, I'm going to go and learn the violin. I'm going to go and learn how to sing the most difficult areas, you know, out there (laughs) in the coloratura and mess them up, what have you. So she, in this case, she's, you know, (laughs) doing this. Yeah. So. Coming out of the 90s, because these movies were sort of, a, you know, they sort of worked and mostly didn't. She's sort of back to her serious, you know, performances. And Mm -hmm. this is where we are back to kind of One True Thing and Marvin's Room. And these are Bridges of Madison County, which I think is probably one of the best romantic old school movies Mm -hmm. that have been made in modern times. It's just an epic movie. So this would be my standout until she gets to adaptation mm-hmm. which I think like you mentioned up top kind of uh, through the meandering sort of you know fun Hollywood movies to the serious movies with the accents and such she comes to this place which is like okay yeah oh we do Merrill is great you right. know I think it's a bit of a re- reaffirmation and reintroduction in in people's minds what about you any movies stand out for you in this time period of late 90s 2000s?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, like I mentioned at the top, like adaptation, like this was a time when I already was loving film like River Wild. I was just a kid watching a movie rented from Blockbuster, what have you. But this was the one I was like, oh, wow, like she is just putting in a performance that no one else could do what she needs to do in that film. That movie is actually just totally incredible One of my favorite films of all time. Everyone's really working on the top of their game in that film her that performance to me I was like oh wow like she's still delivering decades in on what she can do
1: yeah and then of course we come to the late 2000s and that's when kind of the Meryl-a-thon that <laughs> we've been talking about really kicks in with Prada uh Mamma Mia Dow Julia Cha- Julian Julia Fantastic Mr Fox it's complicated like all these movies are absolute bangers they're entertaining but they're also great you know actory roles it's like the perfect balance there are some afterthought movies from the late 90s that still drop in this period like the rendition and lions for lambs and such which are not great but i think this blockbuster period that we touched on before kind of really launches her in maryland to kind of superstardom and she's now globally known as a great actress a great movie star and
0: that's that Oh, definitely, and and for me in this, so we talked touched on it at the very beginning. Like Devil Wears Prada is like a signature performance because that is the perfect marriage, I think, of movie star selling the film. People see this is you know Meryl movie, but she's still an actor in it. She's making room for what Anne Hathaway's doing, which she, you know Anne Hathaway's great in it too, yeah. and uh, so she's able to do both. And that and the movie just incredible, like one of my favorites. We talked about it in an earlier episode, like you said earlier, but uh, yeah, that that to me this is the signature. Meryl as a movie star movie for me.
1: I think so too. And then I think the 2010s up to now have been sort of more of Meryl as the character actress, I mm-hmm. think, kind of post that blockbuster period that we talked about. And I think one theme that I should mention is that Meryl has always stayed with the times, you know, right from like movies that and themes that mattered to the public. Mm-hmm. And she really sort of, I don't know how calculating she was in that sense, but I guess she was. So yeah, I'm sure she you was you know, yeah. going back to the late early 80s, 70s, like you know, divorce was a big theme to, you know, come to now where she's made movies like The Prom or mm-hmm. Don't Look Up. So themes of planet conservation to representation, equal rights, like there's always something kind of thematic about her career choices that she wants to be part of the conversation that's happening and and you know tom didn't do this in our first episode in the series but meryl actually has been pretty fluid when it comes to jumping back and forth between big screen movies to you know netflix originals to you know hbo max movies what have you like she's been and even tv for that matter big little lies or what have you like she's really kind of done it all in the last I would say ten years, which, in some ways, one could argue, might have diluted her movie star persona. But I think she's in a different league altogether when it comes to movie stars who have nothing else to nothing to prove. So right. I think she's used that cultural cachet and love pretty well in the streaming era to be to try different things and work with you know different people, newer people, older people, like. I love her run with Steven Soderbergh in this era of work, you know, let them all talk in the laundromat, which on the face, they are interesting, you know, experiments like Soderbergh loves to do always, but I'm so great that they've had these, this amazing collaboration. And over time, I think these two movies will be looked at very fondly.
0: Not a fan of the laundromat, but maybe, maybe it'll age better over time. But yeah, I think because she, is an actor first she can get away with doing these again streaming shows and tv and it doesn't dilute her brand for lack of a better word because she's a great great actors go to tv now that's where they go that's the exciting place to be if you're a great actor and so many of them have done that and because she's an actor first she's still a movie star she can go back and forth and it's not like oh i already saw Marilyn big little lies or i don't need to see you know her in 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 this film that's coming out no like she's because that's here that's why she's unique because it allows her to be an actor first still even though she went through that movie star phase like you said and for me I, I this this is the period of her career where it's a i'm less uh less kind of familiar with i think she was doing a lot of stuff that i wasn't that interested in and then the things that she did do you know things like the spielberg movie like the post mm-hmm. not a big fan of I not a big fan of i did i did really like uh let them all talk i like that was yeah. fun but yeah this is sort of like she's going back to the i'm an actor thing and she's just choosing stuff that i don't wouldn't, wouldn't normally gravitate towards but i think the fact that she can be that flexible is what makes her meryl you know yeah I and mean,
1: it also speaks to the state of the movies right like that's true like the, <laughs> that's totally true. her brand of movies are in trouble you know, has they have been for the last like you know two decades, I would say. So, although I still love the post and 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 Little Women is amazing, so it's fun to see her collaborate with, you know, old master or aute- tours, but also young people like mm-hmm. Retta and, and what have you. But yeah, going forward, like I'm a little, I'm a little concerned because. She hasn't really made a movie since 2021. Like Don't Look Up was the last movie and there's nothing else that she signed on for. Mm. Uh, all she has is a bit of parents in Selena Gomez, Martin Short TV show, mm-hmm. which is like a little bit part, I'm guessing.
0: But I assume there's yeah.
1: nothing on the docket. So I hope she's doing okay, health-wise. That's mm. where my head went first. Oh, really? Typically, okay. she makes a movie you know, every couple of years. She's been quite prolific, actually, throughout. So I don't know. Or maybe she's just waiting for the right thing or what have you. But selfishly, as an Oscar nerd that I am, (laughs) I want her to win a fourth. She has to beat Catherine Hepburn's record. I mean, it's a shame, like, of all the 22 over however many nominations she's gotten, like, we could have given her at least one more, deserving one from the past. But we just were like, nope. All Of the 90s, all of the 2000s, all we just were like, Nope, we're not going to give you anything because you already got two, right? And I mean, the Iron Lady is a great performance, which uh, we just covered in our previous episode, mm-hmm. but it's a much maligned movie and and not something that people it's sort of a career Oscar at that point because people, right, are like, right, right, oh, where you've been churning out amazing performances, so here you go, but. I, I want her to win a fourth one. I don't care how she does it, but she has to.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think you're on it. Like you're speaking for what the the academy and the industry wants to. I think it's gonna happen I for understand. sure. It's it's just whether when she decides to take on the role that will give her that, she'll get it. I, I think that's sort of no question to be honest. F- for me, I'm hoping that instead of my mind doesn't immediately go to is there a health problem? Like maybe she just enjoying being retired like not retired, she's not retired but enjoying her life and not working yeah. so much and being so busy and focusing more on the other things outside of her career that are mm. important to her and that's what you know some of these actors work all the way up until the end and maybe mm-hmm. it's because of the love of the craft and i hope it is but sometimes it's just because they need to you know continue get getting money and things and getting roles and i like it better when the actors retire and then live another, you know, 15 to 20 years and just enjoy life like a Gene Hackman or a um, kind of like Jack Nicholson's doing to mm. or like what Sean Connery did. I because, I, I, you know, she seems like a really cool, nice person. Like, I wish that yes. on her, too, if she wants it. Right. So maybe that's what she started doing. Stepping back a little bit, focus on other things. And when she wants it, she'll get that other Oscar. I think that's going to be a I think that's a guarantee. Honestly, <laughs> it yeah, really is. I hope
1: so, too. But yeah, I think it's probably just also a function of the kind of movies that are being made and what yeah. she might be into, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll have to be a way. It'll have to be the right thing, essentially. So my hope is that you know she played. I know the Oscars or the Academy, they love to reward like a real person portrayal, you know, a biopicy kind of role, which you Iron know, Lady. She, she did. I yeah, know she... she's already done that. So. <laughs> right. Right. If she does if that's what she does and that gets her of her fourth, I'm fine. But I would prefer that she actually didn't do that. Because mm. she's done that before. Right, I, I right. wish she played like a real person, you know, maybe something lighthearted. Uh that would be fun to to see her do and and for the academy to recognize that.
0: We'll see. I mean, I think it could happen. Like you said, she's already done the I play a real person. Oh, a bajillion so, times. Right. So oh, she's gotten she, that locked up. And it's just going to, it's probably going to be some supporting actress, sort of quirky, older woman role thing. I, I, we'll or see. Or a we'll lead actress. Uh, you Oh, know. okay. You're, you're I mean, pulling for the lead. That's what huh? I'm rooting for. That's what you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun to chat about my favorite actor yeah. um, and sort of what has shaped really my love for movies. Like she's such an important entry point into me caring about movies in such a big way and, and also appreciating the art of acting and transformation. So uh, it was really fun to talk about that.
0: Yeah, for me, I'll have to say that not only, yes, outside of this podcast, you've helped me appreciate Meryl, but as we've started to do this over the last uh, year or so, I've definitely grown for more of an appreciation over her as a movie star, as an actress. So you've definitely helped bring me into the Meryl camp <laughs> over, over the last couple of months for sure.
1: That's good.
0: <laughs>
1: well, I hope you all listening also enjoyed our discussion, and and maybe some of you have torn their hair the hair part with me going on and on about Meryl over the course of this <laughs> uh, this podcast, uh, but. We appreciate all your feedback and love, as always. We are available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube, where you can find our reviews for each of the movies we've covered. Please rate and review us, because that really helps us get discovered, uh, as always. And until the next time, that's all.